We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. We've got this. Finding a way. Hey friends, welcome back to the Cervical Wellness Podcast. It's been a minute since I've recorded anything because I have actually been taking a little bit of a sabbatical away from Instagram, away from social media, to focus on springtime, to focus on my course, Kitchen Hearth Heart Heal, to focus on my one-on-one mentorship clients, and quite honestly, to just reset my brain and nervous system away from being so deeply entwined with the digital world. Um, I have just noticed, or I came to realize that I've had an online business for over seven years, or for around seven years. And before then, I worked and did, you know, online administration for another organization. And before that, I was in grad school and so just I like I've been on the internet for a long time and so I've just felt like I needed to take some space from the digital world but in that space I have felt a deep call to just to make a podcast episode to actually honor one of my teachers who I have found out has passed on And I debated whether or not I wanted to record this because I was like, who, like, do people really want to hear this? Do they even care about (laughs) this subject? You know, this is kind of personal, but, you know, the idea just won't leave my heart. It just won't leave me alone. And, you know, when I was feeling into it this morning, I felt like it's actually very important for me to speak about this woman who was one of my most important teachers in my life and who really working with her and learning from her set the stage and and gave me the ability and know-how to actually do the work I'm doing with cervical wellness the work beyond just basic rote integrative health, but really working with the energetics of the cervix, the energetics of the female body. For anybody who's taken my course, Cervical Wellness Online, any sort of meditation where I guide us into the inner world or do more of this like inner world work, I learned how to do all this and how to work with these parts of ourselves from this woman. And so upon finding out that she passed on, uh, within my grief, I want to just make a podcast episode detailing my story on how I came to start to work with her and the impact that her work has had on what is now cervical wellness. And I was um, in a class the other day uh, and the teacher the facilitator spoke about how the feminine way of 
teaching and 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 you know sharing information actually deeply aligns with giving our teachers credit and naming the um, if it's women naming the wombs in which we entrained with to be able to pass on the information and that teacher who I learned from her name is Christina Louise Corpic, I believe that is her last name. Her work is called Solar Feminine Arts. Um, but this episode is going to be me detailing the story of working with one of the most profound teachers of my life and how her work influenced cervical wellness. So to begin, my teacher's name was Phyllis Bala, and she was a doctor of indigenous medicine. That was a title she gave herself. And she came from the lineages of the indigenous peoples of the Philippines, as well as from uh, several tribes, uh, Native American tribes in the southwest of the United States, as well as from uh, the indigenous peoples in northern Mexico. And Phyllis Bala was, excuse me, a very unique soul in that she did not align to living in a way that most people would think was, quote, normal. And she very much walked in between the worlds of, you know, this physical world and the spiritual world. And what I want to speak about her is what I know about her life, how I came to work with her for like four years throughout um, the tail end of my cervical healing journey into the formation of cervical wellness and just speaking to her legacy because she's not a teacher that was published. She's not well known. She's not one of these teachers that was featured on any sort of magazine article or uh, TV show at all. She, in fact, I believe was an unsung heroine. And uh, me and several of her students over the years wanted to, uh, like, really encouraged her to write a book to share her wisdom. But unfortunately, she it never happened. And so her wisdom now resides in her students. And me being one of them, her wisdom resides in me. So Phyllis Bala, doctor of indigenous medicine, grew up in San Francisco in the 50s and 60s in a Catholic family and wasn't really ever deeply spiritually connected. She told me that, you know, her mother was pretty religious. Um, She never really spoke much about her father, but she did talk about how she came up to where I live, the county where I live is called Sonoma County and there's a river called the Russian River here and she said when she was a little girl she came up here for a swimming competition and she fell in love with the land. She fell in love with the river and she knew that she needed to live up here. 
So interestingly enough, Phyllis and I have the same birthday, February 18th. And interestingly enough, her husband, who she got married to in her early 20s, is also named John, which is the name of my husband. And so we would laugh that we were um, like similar templated beings, even though, you know, we looked very different from each other. We come from different lineages, but it's just ironic that we had the same birthday and had the same husband's name. So when she got married, um, she had three children and in her, I think she said like in her, you know, mid to late thirties, I'm, I'm trying to remember this from like, you know, six, seven years ago. She told me that something started to happen to her where she said that the ancestors started to speak to her. And one day she, uh, oh, also she was uh, an herbalist and she studied at the California School of Herbal Studies and um, had an incredible herbal garden and would help people with herbal medicine. So as she was working with the plants, she said she started to have this opening where the ancestors and the spirits started to speak to her. And coming from a Catholic background and having a husband who did not at all acknowledge or agree with what she was speaking to, um, she said that this opening within her actually ended up dissolving her marriage. And she had to make a choice, actually, where it was like she either allowed these gifts of hers to be opened and awakened within her, or she kept her family. And she chose the former. So her, uh, her family ended up dissolving. And at that exact time, she said that the ancestors actually, quote, took her out where she could no longer walk, she could no longer speak, she could no longer write. And for three years, she had to, with the opening of these spiritual gifts within her, had to relearn how to walk, how to speak, and how to write. But throughout that time, she started to receive visions, and she started to receive communication from the spirit world, and started to see spirits within people and over the years of her like integrating this spiritual opening within her she started to uh, train with she said with the ancestors with the land and with the plants of her garden how to be a medical intuitive and if you don't know what a medical intuitive is, it's someone who, through intuition and through, you know, reading the energy of someone's body, can determine, uh, can diagnose and determine what is wrong without any sort of Western medical scans or tests or whatnot. So there are many parts of her story in her life that are um, pretty wild. I know she told me one time um, she like she started to get connected to some like really wealthy people in like far off lands, um, like 
oh gosh, what is it? I think it was Samoa. And people would hire her to come and do like medical intuition for like the elephants. Maybe that's not Samoa, but um, she just started to work with people and land and animals in a way that really nobody else has done. And she opened up a shop in a small town here in Sonoma County called Sacred Ground. You know, there is like a good 20 years of her history that I don't really know. I know that uh, she worked with different um, American Indian tribes, you know, doing ceremonies, doing medicine wheel work, doing land uh, communication, doing healing work, you know, ceremonial, hands-on, herbal, these sorts of things. But the way that I found her was very serendipitous and synchronistic. And um, this is what I want to speak about next. So if you've ever heard me tell my story of how I healed my cervix, there was a time within my cervical healing journey timeline where I decided I like put a stake in the ground and I was going to heal myself like that was a choice I made. And at that, in that choice time, I decided to go back to school to get my master's in integrative health studies. So while I was at school, I needed to have like a little part-time job. And so I got a job at a local health food store in a small town here called Occidental. The health food store is called Bohemian Market. And while I would be working at the Bohemian Market, I looked across the street. I mean, this is like a little like one street town that's like four blocks long, you know, like think of a small town. So like looking across the street, it's not that far away. And I kept on seeing this shop sign called Sacred Ground. And I'm like, what is this? And I was so drawn to it. And on my breaks and on my lunch break, I would like walk over and like peer through the window, but nobody was ever there. I'd be like, whoa, this is like really interesting in here. Like there's plants and a whole library of books. And it just exuded this energy that I was so drawn to. I'm like, what is this place? Sacred ground. <clears throat> and this went on literally for months, like three or four months. Every shift I would go and I would look across the street to see if someone was there, but the door was always locked. The lights are always off. So I'm like, okay, like... I don't know what's going on. Why can't I go into this shop? And one day I arrived at work and the door was open. And literally it was like every cell in my body was like, oh my God, the door is open. And I think I was even late to work because I literally ran in. I ran in through the door and there was this gray-haired older woman she was round she had like the body of like a like one of those um, venus statues that they found you know from tens of thousands of years ago you know just like this round bellied big breasted woman Uh, and she was sitting in this chair and i burst through the door and she looked at me she's like oh and i'm like I have been waiting for this door to be open for months 
and I don't know why I need to be here, but I have to be here. Like, what is going on in here? <laughs> and she looked at me. She's like, I'm Phyllis. And I'm like, I'm Danelle. Like, I need to know what you do. What are you doing in here? Because I'm deeply called. So I was still in the peak of my cervical healing journey. I was still had SIN2, SIN3 cervical dysplasia, but I was in the jo- process. I was in the journey. I was in this master's program learning about integrative health studies. I was trying all the things, doing all the things that I knew of, but little did I know is that I was called to Phyllis and this place called Sacred Ground to actually take me to the level of inner work that I didn't know that I needed, but would truly actualize my ability to transform my inner world state and face what needed to be faced within myself to heal finally. So to make the long story short about my you know, introduction to Phyllis, what ended up happening is I started to go to her shop every day I was uh, not working. The door was finally open. It was like suddenly she was there and I was able to be in her field. And I started learning about who she was and what she does. And she had this like whole little ceremonial space in the back of her shop. And she had this um, buffalo hide that she would have over a table and she would invite you to sit down and lay on the buffalo hide and she would do like medical intuitive work and she uh, you know I met some of the other women who worked alongside of her and she told me she's like Danelle I think you need to join my year-long medicine wheel program and I had no idea what that meant honestly I was like what is a medicine wheel program <laughs> what does that even mean and she's like well we go we journey through the medicine wheel of the body and we work within the inner world of the body in relationship to our ancestors and the land and uh, come into right relationship with these parts of life so I was immediately like a yes and I don't know, remember how it happened, but somehow, like, I didn't have to pay or I was like, I was like a scholarship recipient in some way. I don't honestly remember, but I didn't have much money at the time because, I mean, I was a grad student. But friends, this Medicine Wheel program, we would meet every Tuesday and Saturday for three to four hours at a time. And Phyllis would impart her wisdom about the connection of our body and the land and the elements and the directions. And she would guide us in this visualization to connect with what she called our sacred female architecture. That is her words, Phyllis Bala. She called it the sacred female architecture within our body. And this would include like the center of our brain and our brain stem. This would include our spinal cord. This would include our uterus, ovaries, tubes, and cervix. And over the year that I worked 
intimately with her in this medicine wheel program, she opened up within me the ability to work within my inner world in relationship to earth, to the land, to my ancestors, and to the directions of the medicine wheel. And obviously, there's no way I could ever in a podcast episode talk about exactly what we talked about because it was so multidimensional. It was so incredibly multidimensional. But what began to happen for me, friends, is I started to actually be in my body, truly embodied for the first time in my entire life just through the practice of doing ceremony with the land, of leaving offerings, of being in the presence of a woman who was deeply, deeply connected to the more than human world, to to be guided by an elder, to come into my inner world in a very specific way. I've never ever shared the visualization that she provided us because it wasn't mine to provide. But now I'm wondering, you know, as she's passed on, like what does that mean then for this visualization that she said great spirit, those are her words, great spirit provided to her. Like is that lost now? I don't know. But it was her teachings that allowed me to open up to this idea of sacred female architecture and how this architecture within our body and the blueprint of our DNA within our body means so much more than we have ever been taught in Western cultural reality. So after the year-long medicine wheel program, I continued to work with Phyllis very intimately. I went with her on client calls to do ceremonial work. We actually would go into the hospital, people on hospice, and she, like I would just be present and like be her assistant of carrying stuff and you know just like helping her with you know physical world things because she wasn't that well. Um, but we'd go into like the hospital room and, and she would open up the directions of the medicine wheel in a ceremonial way. And I have never in my life felt something so palpably, palpably spiritual in my life. There's never been any other experience besides maybe taking plant medicine, (laughs) but being completely sober and feeling within my body the electricity amplify as this woman did her work on people who were dying. And I witnessed true miracles in her presence. There was one man who was um, dying of kidney failure and his family called her to work with him and I remember we were in the hospital and she shut the door and there was like five of us in there and the family members were just wide-eyed because they could feel it too they could feel what was happening and for the first time in like a week this man who was dying he was completely he was like in a coma like he wasn't conscious or awake he actually started to stir 
And then, I mean, this is kind of crude, but he had his first bowel movement, like natural bowel movement in weeks. And this all happened within the span of like two or three hours of Phyllis working with him. And I just, I actually get choked up to think about having the honor of witnessing a a true doctor of indigenous medicine, that's what she called herself, do her work with people. I also was her assistant um, as she worked with a woman who had breast cancer and together she had me help her put a poultice of um, like a special herbal concoction of different um, of different plants like on her lymph nodes of her armpits and she would do ceremony with you know these um, poultices on this woman's lymph nodes and there actually started to be an abscess that grew over like underneath where the poultice was and the the cancer started seeping out of the abscesses like this wasn't in one one day this was in several weeks but I witnessed this woman do real healing work on people who were dying and it changed everything for me. I truly began to believe and know that I could heal my cervix with this new knowledge of sacred female architecture and the, the, the blueprint within my DNA that upholds this very powerful uh, like conduit within my body between my inner world and the outer world and it it just all started to make sense and lo and behold like two and a half years after starting to work alongside phyllis as well as being within this graduate school program and doing all my other things that i was doing my i healed myself my cervix healed when i was told that it wouldn't ever heal so phyllis was she celebrated with me. She was so happy for me because in the year long medicine wheel program, like I would just cry and cry and all the stories of my cervix would emerge. And I was literally in a, just a nervous system schism for that whole year. Like I remember Phyllis being like, yeah, you were really, (laughs) you were really like off your rocker for that time because I was not stable at all as I was unpacking what was held within the depths of my sacred female architecture it was really hard for me but she held me and the women within the medicine wheel program with me held me as i cried so many tears while laying on this buffalo skin hide and so after i healed i was like phyllis i want to teach people about the cervix and she's like danelle yes let's do it like we you people need to know this and you are a very skilled teacher and she called me a healer although i i don't really identify with the title as healer um i like guide or teacher but she's like yes like let's like do it like how can i support you and so it was actually in her shop at sacred ground that i began to teach the first cervical wellness workshops. And I taught 
a good six or seven workshops. Sometimes actually I would set up a workshop and nobody would come. Not a single person came, but I still showed up. And one time I, she invited me to come teach to her next medicine wheel program. What was the basis of cervical wellness? It was like a, just the workshop was called cervical wellness. And I taught about the cervix and I taught about its relationship to I say now sacred female anatomy because her language was sacred female architecture and I didn't, I had started to use it, but then I actually got like called into accountability around that not being my language, languaging for it. And so I no longer use that language, but that is what she used. So I would, I taught about the relationship of the cervix and in our sacred female anatomy or architecture, as Phyllis would say, And the women of her medicine wheel program were just in awe with what I was bringing forward. And Phyllis, I remember one time she pulled me aside and she held my hands and she looked at me in the eyes and she said, Danelle, this is guided by the great spirit. Like you have to keep doing this because I didn't know what I was doing. I was like a baby entrepreneur who still had a job at the time. And I was like, I don't know, people aren't coming to the workshop sometimes. She's like, it doesn't matter. Just keep doing it. Keep going. And her encouragement is what allowed me to continue forward in the fear of bringing this work to the light. Because let me tell you, friends, it was really scary at the beginning to talk about sex and the cervix and the female pelvis and all these things that I talk about. Like, you know, it's kind of commonplace now on Instagram and whatnot. But when I first started talking about this, like the only people who talked about female anatomy were birth workers, doulas, and maybe the women who like taught about fertility awareness. But they're really like the the womb embodiment revolution that has happened was really just only beginning, if I'm honest. So it was scary to talk about this. But Phyllis continued to encourage me and I would send her like the articles I would write or she would comment on um, posts I would make on Facebook and unfortunately over the years... um, Phyllis and I had a little bit of a falling out, or it's not really a falling out. We just lost connection. And um, one of the last times that I reached out to her, there was the last two times I reached out to her was one to send her a copy of my book because I really wanted her to have a copy of my book because she's actually acknowledged in the book. Um, in like the acknowledgments thank you section and then um, yeah then I was called into accountability around using her language of sacred female architecture online and honestly I was yeah I was horrified that I had crossed any sort of boundary um, and had to you know do my own work around fragility in that nature and um, I tried to go to sacred ground several times, but the door was closed. 
And so I actually wrote a letter to her and put it under the door and just told her how much I loved her and how deeply grateful I am for everything that she shared with me over the years of connection. I mean, there's so much more that than, um, you know, what I shared here. I spent a lot of time with this woman and, um, and then COVID happened and I, I know that it was very hard for her because she had, um, you know, she had some radical ideas around vaccines and like, not just like typical quote, anti-vaxxer things, but, you know, more of like a, a spiritual sense and um you know like connecting to like the the intelligence of vaccines and i don't really want to go into that but the next you know when covid and when covid lockdown ended i went to occidental and i saw that sacred ground was no longer there and i went to one of the neighbor shops um and i asked them what happened where'd she go and i found out that Phyllis had developed lung cancer and that she was actually back with her family, her daughters and her grandchildren, which was really beautiful for me to hear because she had actually been estranged from them for a long time. And one of her deep yearnings in life was to be reconnected with her daughters and her grandchildren, whom actually she had never met. So that was, I found out about a year and a half ago, and just about a month ago, I found out that she had passed. I don't know when she passed on, but the first thing I thought of when I found out was, Phyllis, you're the ancestor now. You are the ancestor that we get to connect to and work with and so you know as I've been sitting on recording this podcast episode I I wasn't going to but honestly I feel like Phyllis from the other side like in the spirit world was knocking on me being like Danelle share about me please because she never got to share about herself I tried to get her online. I tried to, you know, invite her to be recorded, but it either never worked out or she didn't want to. You know, that wasn't her style. And, you know, Phyllis Bala was one of the most amazing women, people I've ever met in my life. And because of her instrumental impact on my life and guidance, I am able and have been able to continue forward on cervical wellness for the last seven years. And cervical wellness has the reach and the, imp- the global impact that it does now because of Phyllis Bala, doctor of indigenous medicine. So Phyllis, this podcast episode is in honor of you. Thank you for being my teacher. Thank you for holding me through the darkest moments of my cervical healing journey. Thank you for believing in me 
and encouraging me to continue forward to bring the voice of the cervix forward in the world and to guide women back into deeper connection to their sacred female anatomy or in your words a sacred female architecture Alrighty, friends, that's all I want to say about that now. May we always remember our teachers and may we always honor who we learned from and those who made incredible impacts in our life. And may we always, always, always remember that we have the availability of very beautiful and powerful people within our lives to take us places to where we need to go and we just need to be open to it. We just need to await the opening of a door <laughs> and then it is our duty to run on in and say, I am ready. I am ready to learn. Please show me the way. We just have to walk through that open door. Okay, friends, I hope you have a beautiful day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. If you want more cervical wellness information and content, check out my website, cervicalwellness.com, or give us a follow over on Instagram at cervicalwellness. Please share this episode if it felt right and true for you. And until next time, friends, remember, we've got this.